Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. Let me ask you a question. How many of you um, ever had to do job training? Right, like on the job training, right? For whatever job or role, you're gonna be imperfect. How many of you had a good trainer that trained you? Like you, you learned something, they taught you something, right? How many of you went to job training and, it, and you didn't have a good trainer and you didn't learn anything? Raise your hand, all right? Y'all know that can be dangerous, right? Let me tell you about a time where I had to do job, job training and, uh, and how it was dangerous. So I'm from the West Coast, right? I'm from California. I grew up in Modesto, California. Um, if you've never been to Cali, don't go there. Go, go somewhere else, all right? But in Modesto, um, I'm from the other side of the tracks called Empire, right? Real ghetto, kind of ghetto country, okay? Um, top 10, like most, uh, like worst school education systems. That's what I grew up in, okay? Um, but here's what they would do to try to make us feel better about ourselves. They would try to bring in stuff from Southern California, like the nice schools, uh, stuff that they were doing. They would try to bring it to our little ghetto school, right? To make us just feel good. Like one time they said, hey, if you guys get better test scores um, throughout the year, we're going to bring you a carnival, a carnival, right? Like rides, all the stuff, like there's gonna be cool things. You're going to see like a circus. We're like, all right, let's do it. So we studied and we tried. We got good, good, right? Better test results. And they brought in a donkey, an anaconda, and an elephant, right? That's what, that's what they brought in. I don't know who had that in the ghetto, but we had it. And uh, we were really upset about that. Um, but uh, one time they said, uh, hey, guys, we're bringing something to Empire Elementary. It's going to change everything. You're going to build leaders. It's called, and maybe you had this, um, cross guard, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, cross guards, right? The guys with the vest after school stand on the sidewalk. They come out, blow a whistle, hold the stop sign. People cross. They showed us this video, got us all hyped up. But here's the problem. We didn't even have sidewalks. So like it really wasn't a need that we had, right? <laughs> like we, you just went, okay? But we got excited. I was in the fourth grade and I said, I'm going to be the main cross guard, right? So we're going to do all these trainings. And here's the problem with our school. They had, no one was qualified to train us in cross guard. And so they got our yard duty. His name was Raul, all right? And Raul was our yard duty custodian. Um, we had a little garden. He took care of that, okay? And um, he was the cafeteria guy. That was all his one job with one guy. And he just got out of prison. So he was really doing well for himself, all right? I love Raul. He was awesome. But Raul was now our trainer. He was going to train us for crossing guard, okay? Um, long story short, here's what Raul would do. He would watch a video um, right before our training started and then come out and train us. Now the problem, like I said, in Southern California, they got sidewalks. In Empire, right, we had no sidewalks. So there was a main part of the training that Raul just said, oh, we don't have sidewalks, forget about it. The part of that training was after you let people go through and the cars go, make sure you're standing on a what? Sidewalk. Right? It's important. That's important part. We don't have sidewalks. We're all saying, forget about it. We don't need that part of the training. So I made, I'm the main guy. I'm excited. I got my whistle, got my vest, got my stop sign. I'm walking out, about face, boom, blow the whistle, make eye contact with the driver, make sure he sees me, wave the students through, right? They come through, about face, walking back, turn around where I thought I'm safe because that's what I was trained to do. I I wasn't trained to step back, just stand right here and did this, looking at an older lady, okay, um, in an Oldsmobile, okay, who said, 
doom, doom, over both of my feet with both of her tires. So doom, 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 doom. And then made eye contact in the rearview mirror as she was driving away. I'm freaking out. My feet are broken. People are crying, right? The next day, Raul got fired. No more crossing guard. It was a mess in Empire Elementary, all right? Because he failed, <laughs> he failed to train us to watch out for traps, right? There's traps that you got to watch out for. And the, and the passage that we're going to read today is a familiar passage. If you grew up in a church, if you did, I'm glad you're here. But this passage, Jesus is about to train 12 disciples, 12 men, by feeding 5,000 people. And what he's actually doing in this training is he's training people who claim to be Christ followers, training them to watch out for certain traps that if we fall into, we will kill any mission movement that our church is gaining. You will, you will kill it by falling in these traps. You will kill and harm your own spiritual walk if you're not careful of falling into these traps. So I'm really excited. Let's pray. And we're going to look at some scripture this morning together. Y'all, um, prayer is a thing that we have to continuously work at. So I'm going to give you a moment to practice prayer and pray and ask God, God, is there something in my life that you're not pleased with? If so, will you reveal that to me today and help me to stay focused on you this morning? Y'all spend some time praying that. God, we thank you for just the work that you're doing in our lives, um, in this church, and not even just our church, just Conway in general. Lord, you are moving in a powerful way. But God, I pray that as a church family today that we would take time to just evaluate, is there, is there things in our life that, that we're not really focused on you with, God? And God, if there's something that you're not pleased with, I pray that today that you would just soften our hearts. Let us um, feel, um, the, not the judgment, because you don't judge us, but the conviction to, to repent and get back right with you. And so God, I pray that as we open up your word, you would use me as just your microphone, God, that you would be very clear this morning. And Lord, I pray that as a church, we would move. We love you, Lord. It's your sons and we pray. Everybody said, amen. Find your way to Mark chapter six. It'll be on the screen, but your Bible, you can trust it. So look at that. Um, Mark chapter 6, give you some context. Um, Jesus and these disciples have been doing ministry. Matter of fact, he's been training them. They've gone from town to town. And right before this, he sends them out two by two to go share the gospel, to go preach and teach people about the kingdom of God. And so um, just know that they are walking into this moment where they're about to feed these people. They're coming into this exhausted, they're worn out, and they're about to give a report to Jesus. And here's what I want you to see. Mark chapter 6 starting in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going and they didn't even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them and ran on foot from all towns and arrived ahead of them. So what I love, because right away, what do we see? We see that Jesus and these disciples, man, they're people just like you and me. Even though Jesus is God in the flesh, he still felt emotions. He still got tired. He still got hungry. He still wanted to stop talking to people for a moment. Right? He felt all the same things that you and I felt and feel today. Matter of fact, the, the beautiful thing about this passage is Jesus looks at these men who have been doing good gospel work and he recognizes in them, man, they need a break. 
They're, they're tired. They need to rest. And what I want you to know is Jesus also sees you. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows the good and the bad and the ugly and the stressful things that you are constantly thinking about and dealing with. Many of you right now, you probably feel like they do. You probably feel exhausted. You probably feel um, like you have too much on you. Many of you are just getting beat up from people who, who claim to be friends but are talking behind your back or, or, or outside expectations from coaches and professors or, or, or your bosses or supervisors and you just have all these things that you have to take care of in the house with your kids, with your parents, with, your, with everybody, just things on top of things. And maybe it's not even negative things, right? These disciples were doing a good work and yet they were just overwhelmed. They were tired, they were beat down. Josh said a few weeks ago something that, that um, has just rang in my head. Even trucks have a certain payload before it's too much. And so Jesus sees you. He knows what you're carrying. He knows the load that you have on you. And what does he do? He says, come to me and rest. He said, hey, let's get away and let's rest. Listen, family, I don't know what it is that you run to when you're tired and you're exhausted, but if it isn't Jesus, it's never actually going to give you rest. Only real rest and real peace can be found in Jesus Christ. Real rest isn't found when the load is gone, because guess what? The load is never gone, right? College students, there's always going to be another test, right? There's always going to be another exam. There's always going to be like parents. We know that you put one girl down for bed doesn't mean that the other one's ready to go to sleep yet, right? Like it is always going to be something else. There's always going to be more work to be done. This, this is just how life works. So rest in peace um, when you're exhausted isn't found when, let me just get these things out of the way. No, it's only found when you sit in the presence of Jesus Christ and he offers you real rest and real peace. He said, listen, you have a lot on your plate. You're on mission. You're dealing with people who are just worn out. And he tells them, hey, I see you. Let's go rest. Let's, let's get away. But here's the deal. Remember, Jesus is training these men for ministry. And when I say ministry, I don't want you to think pastors and ministers. Because nowhere in the Bible will you ever see the word say, Jesus say, anybody say, hey, only pastors and ministers do ministry. Matter of fact, you will see the opposite. If you claim Jesus Christ, you are called to do the work of ministry. That's on us as individuals. And so what he's saying here, he, he's, he's training followers. Hey, there's a trap that you need to be careful of when it comes to rest. Because rest can become an excuse that we use. If we're not careful, rest can become an excuse that we use to stop doing ministry. To stop serving to not be on mission, to not do what I actually don't want to do. Rest can become an excuse for us if we're not careful. Where we say something like, hey, I just need to take a season of rest and then maybe I'll get back into serving. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're not tired and exhausted, but here's what rest was meant for. Rest was intended for you to stop for a minute, let go of everything else, block out the noise, and recharge your soul through Jesus Christ in order that you get back to the gospel work that he's placed you in. If you're with me, say I'm with you. Rest was intended, right? You feeling exhausted, that is just an indication 
that maybe you have been running in your own flesh, in your own power, in your own wisdom, and so you feel exhausted and your soul says, hey, I need to get plugged back in to the Holy Spirit because I'm running at a pace that's too much for me. And so we stop and we rest in Jesus and then we get back to work. Rest was never intended to be something that you use as a way out of the mission. Do you need to get away and rest? Yes, you do, right? I'm looking at some of y'all right now. Some of you need to go take a nap. You look tired. I'm glad you're here, right? College students, some of them are about to fall asleep. I can see it, right? Like they're tired. Do you need more coffee? No, we don't need any more coffee in Conway, right? Like I couldn't even speak in the baptism pool, right? Like we don't need more coffee. Do you need rest? Yes, you need it. But in the same breath, if you have added more to your plate than you can handle, maybe you don't need rest. Maybe you need to say the word no. Maybe you should stop signing kids up for travel ball and all these different things when you're called to be in church on Sunday and serving. Maybe you're working 60 hours plus because you want to get that promotion, but man, that promotion is only going to come with more work and leave you more exhausted. Students, maybe you have to stop hanging out, get your stuff done, <laughs> and then rest in Jesus to get back on mission. Rest was never meant for us to, oh, I need to step away for a season because I got too much on my plate. Man, that is the trap that we fall in. When Jesus was showing these disciples, he's showing them, hey, listen, rest, but look on the other side of the shore. There's people there. Their work is always going to be there. We got things to do for the glory of the kingdom of God. Rest, get recharged, and now let's get back on mission. So look what happens next, Mark 6, 32 through 37. So when they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place, but many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. But many saw them, oh, sorry, when they went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it's already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, Jesus said. They said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Listen, I don't know how many times I've read the story, heard the story preached. I never thought of one thing, and Josh mentioned it um, um, this week when we were talking about the passage. How in the world did a crowd of 5, 10, 15, even 20,000 people beat them across um, the shore? Like, how did they move that quickly, right? I'm ADHD and super hyper, if you can't tell. So if someone's driving slow in front of me or walking slow in front of me, I get very frustrated, right? I couldn't imagine moving in a crowd that size. But here's what's going on. Jesus, as they get to the other side, who is also tired, who is also hungry, looks and sees a large crowd of people. And it drives him to compassion. Why? They were like sheep without a shepherd. And what we see is Jesus right away, no room for excuses, no room for, let me grab a protein bar, a little snack, no room for a nap. He says, let me get to work because there's people in need right here in front of us. So what this moment does is it captures Jesus's heart, right? It captures his heart and his, and his actions as he cares and he loves and he serves and does ministry. His actions prove what he actually cares about. And that's the people right there in front of him. 
But in the same moment, the disciples, they show us their hearts because they saw the same need. They saw the same crowd and yet they were not moved with compassion. Their actions proved what they cared about when they said, hey, let them go figure things out for themselves. Hey, send them away. Let someone else deal with that. So in one moment, Jesus proves what he cares about by, by moving aside excuses, moving aside his, his own desires, his own needs, his own wants, and says, I'm going to care. And the disciples do the same. They show what they care about by saying, hey, someone else will take care of it. I'm tired. We don't have enough. Let's move forward. Jesus calls us as Christ followers. Remember, not pastors, not ministers. If you claim Jesus, he's calling you to have the same heart for people as he does. To look and see a need and be moved with compassion to do something about it. If you're um, a visitor, I'm super glad that you're here, all right? But I'll be real, I'm about to have like a family talk with the members of my church family, okay? And so if you're a member, uh, you've been joining us, you're not, or if you're a visitor, you've been joining us for a little bit, I'm about to just talk one-on-one. And so if it might feel awkward, I'm sorry, please come back next week, right? Our pastor will be preaching next week. Uh, but church family, can I, can I just have a, a, a talk with you this morning? Say yes. And I'm not, I'm not coming to you as a minister, a staff member, okay? I'm coming to you as a family member, right? As a Christian, a brother of Second Baptist Church. As Christians, followers of Christ, who are called to do what Jesus does, who are called to care and called to serve and called to sacrifice, can I ask you a very simple question? What do you actually care about? Who do you actually care about? What do your actions outside of the church wall show everybody who and what you actually care about? Second fam, what do your actions inside the church wall, your actions, your attitudes, what do they show everybody that what you actually care about and who you care about? Because church, here's the deal. If you and I, this isn't me preaching at you. This is a us. If we are not careful, we will fall into the same exact trap that these disciples fell into. If we are not careful, we can make this church, we can make the mission, we can make Jesus all about us and our preferences, our style, what we want, our needs, more than meeting the needs of other people. If we are not careful, we will make ourselves more important and making sure we're comfortable and everything in this building does what we want it to do. We'll make that more important than reaching the lost outside of these walls, which by the way, is why this church was planted where it's planted. If we are not careful, we will turn into people who are gossipers, who are petty and hateful and do more harm in the body of Christ than good. If we are not careful, we will, rather than obeying scripture and uplifting and encouraging and spurring each other on for the good work, for the mission, we will rally behind, this is what we want and everyone else can find another church. If we are not careful, we will care more about ourselves than what Jesus has called us to do. 
And which, by the way, this church, every church, it's not yours. This church is the bride of Jesus Christ. We are a part of that. But listen, he loves this church more than you do. And he will not stand for you making this church something that it's not intended to be. So we need to be careful. There's this trap that we can fall into and we have to check ourselves constantly. Here are some indicators that, that prove that you have fallen into the trap. Here's, some, here's five indicators. Number one, you hold on to man-made traditions versus reaching the lost by any means necessary. In other words, this is what we've done, what we will do forever. Even if it doesn't work, we're gonna do this and, and who cares about the loss that we need to reach? That is an indicator that you have made this more about you than the glory of God and the mission. The second indicator, you expect pastors and ministers to do what Jesus has called every single Christian to do without actually doing anything. That's the pastor's job, that's the minister's job. Someone else will do it. The third indicator, getting mad over preference and leaving this church to go church shopping down Dave Ward. Number four, you complain more than you serve. And the fifth indicator that you have fallen in the trap is you never share the gospel. You never look for opportunities to invite people in because all you do is really care about yourself. These are indications that you have made Jesus, church, and mission about you. And listen to me, I love this church. I love these college students with everything. Like I, I, I've done ministry for almost 13, 12, 13 years now. I've, I've done skate ministry. I've done youth ministry. I've pastored a church. I love these college students. I love this church. I love this community. I love it. But listen, I love Jesus more. And he is calling us to not be about us, but to be about him and the gospel work he has invited us to be a part of, that he's created us to be a part of. Ephesians 2.10 uh, 2, says that we are his workmanship created in Christ to do what? Good work. Not to sit back and complain or never be involved in the mission. And listen, like, like I said, I love this church. There are very faithful, dedicated servants of Jesus Christ in this church family. Like we have, I mean, we have baller volunteers in this church who serve in the media, in the worship, on the making coffee, like praise God for the coffee makers. You know what I'm saying? Like we need you, thank you, right? Kid men, students, like we have very faithful volunteers. I actually wanna brag on a group of volunteers that I'm, I'm really proud of. Um, in, in the college ministry, our leadership team of students, we call them ambassadors. If you're an ambassador, can you stand up for us real quick? Hey, y'all need to be proud of these ambassadors. Y'all give them some love right? And there's several that are not here because they're literally serving somewhere else. But these ambassadors, y'all be proud of them. You can sit down. Can I tell you what the requirement is? Not as a second fan member, but as an ambassador, I have some requirements for them. The first requirement that I have of them, hey, you have to be faithful here. Like show up. Like be here on Sunday. Be here a small group. Be here on Thursday night when we do college stuff. And they are. Another requirement is on 545, Okay, on Thursday nights, 5.45, they have to be there because we do training. We're doing leadership training. 
from 5.45 to about 6.20. We're in training from 6.20 to 7.05. Man, they're setting up tables. They're setting up chairs. They're serving food. They're opening doors. They're high-fiving. They're hugging. They're looking for opportunities to share the gospel, to care for the other college students coming in. I give them a break from 7 to 8 for worship, right? Like, hey, just be a part of worship. But then as soon as worship ends, they're back on mission. From 8 to about, I don't know, I leave at 10. They hang out till 11 because I'm old, right? So I go home. But from 8 to about 11, man, they're loving on each other. They're doing the gospel work. They're praying for each other. They're hanging out and, and, and they're doing a good work. On top of that, during the week, they're texting visitors. They're texting new students. They're meeting students one-on-one -on -one in coffee shops, at restaurants to share the gospel, right? Because that's what our ministry is about. And they do all of that. Listen to me. I'm just bragging on it because I'm so proud of them. They do all of that as full-time students, full-time students who have jobs, who some of them are athletes. So full-time job, part-time or full-time student, part-time job, athlete, athletes, relationships that they got to maneuver through, family stuff they got to maneuver through, money, finances, career. They have to maneuver all these things and, and those are the requirements I have on them and they are crushing it, crushing it, y'all. But can I tell you what I really am proud of the most of these ambassadors? Aside from their full-time academic career, their athletic careers, their career careers, the requirements I have on, on, on them as leaders in our ministry, they are probably the most faithful servants of other ministries in this church where they also serve on top of everything else, not a requirement, also serve in the kid ministry, multiple services, in the youth ministry, multiple Wednesdays in a row, and other areas, I mean, they, they just serve. That, that is not a requirement that I have. That is because they love Jesus and they love this church. And the little bit of time that they have, even though they're exhausted from life, they say, I'm going to serve. These are college students. And they are leading the way of what it looks like to be a servant of Christ in the Second Baptist family. I say all of that um, to, to say this, as I was re like writing this, I was praying and writing this sermon. I had to take a break because I wanted to pray just for y'all, pray for my own heart. Um, and then I took my headphones off. We're in our, I'm in my downtown office, right? If you've never been to our office, it's super cool. Come hang out. We'd love for you to come. Um, but I took my headphones out and Rebecca, our children's minister, who is also just a baller in the ministry, by the way, um, I hear her on the phone. I don't know who she's talking to, but I hear her on the phone. And this is the conversation I hear from Rebecca. As I'm writing what I just presented to you, this is what I hear Rebecca say. She's on the phone and she says, listen, we, we are exploding in the kid ministry and we need help. Is there any way? And then I heard a pause. And then I heard Rebecca say, hey, I, I'm so sorry. That, that sounds like a lot on your plate. And then, and then I heard a pause. And Rebecca's on, listen, I, I, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Is there any way? that you can serve one service once a month. I mean, that would be so beneficial. And then I, I heard her pause and I waited till she hung up and asked her, hey, Rebecca, did you just get a volunteer for your kid ministry? And she goes, no, but I have a few more people that I'm gonna call. Family, listen, that should never be the case in a church that is on mission. Second Baptist Church and the ministers of this church should never have to be to the point where we are begging you to serve and be on mission within the ministries of this church. That is an indication that there is something off here, that there, you see a need. Our kid, it's not Rebecca's fault that we just keep popping out kids, all right? Like, it's not her fault. 
right? If you're a young, like married couple in here, don't drink the water. Kids are just popping out all over the place. I don't know what it is, right? It's not Rebecca's fault. Jesus, it wasn't his fault that when he got to the other side, exhausted, tired, and hungry from doing good work, it was not his fault that he looks up and sees a large crowd who needs someone to serve them. And yet, he did it anyways. He moved aside his preference, he moved aside his own needs, his own desires, and said, they are sheep without a shepherd and they need someone to love them. Let's go. So question for your family, are you, are you seeing the need around you and doing something about it? What, what are you doing to push the mission of the gospel through this church and into the community? How are you participating in that? Or are you? Do you even have like a desire to be a part of what God is doing? We have to watch out for the trap. Mark chapter 6, 35 the story goes on, it says, when it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it's already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And they said, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five, five loaves and two fish. And he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took out the five loaves and two fish and looked up to heaven. He blessed it, broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples and set before the people. He also divided two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. And now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. I, I love this part of the story. Right? This is, this is like the best part of the whole story and what Jesus is doing here. He's calling them, yes, serve, care, but there's another trap you need to be careful for. Here's the trap. The trap is feeling too inadequate to actually make a difference. Right? Where you feel like, I, I don't have enough. Notice what they said. We don't have enough. And what we have, like, what is that going to do with so many people? We are not enough. What we have is not enough. And if we're all real, if we just had a moment where we put down the mask and we were just real with one another, every single one of us have felt what these disciples felt in that moment. Where we look at ourselves and go, I, I'm not talented enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not handsome or beautiful enough. Like I, I can't actually make a difference. And to be honest, like that is, the, that is the struggle that I've had my entire life because of my background, because of my family history. I, I don't even feel qualified to do what I'm actually doing right now. But if we allow ourselves to get caught up in that trap, and we will allow the enemy, the devil, to get in our ear and we will create an excuse of another reason that we can't serve and be a part of the mission. Can I tell you something? Say yes. Here's what the devil doesn't care about, okay? The devil has, he has no concern that you show up to church on Sunday. He does not care that you, if you're here or not. He doesn't care that you hear the sermon, you take notes. He doesn't care that you know the worship songs, when to stand up, when to raise your hand, when not to be awkward, right? He doesn't, he doesn't care that you show up to small groups and Wednesday nights. He doesn't care about that. It doesn't bother him that you're in here doing those things. What he cares about is that you do nothing with those things. He does not want you on mission. He doesn't want you to be a Christian who actually follows Christ. 
He doesn't want you to serve. He doesn't want you to share the gospel. So if he can keep you from doing that, if he can keep you comfortable in that black cushion seat that you're sitting in, he's going to do it. Because a Christian on mission is dangerous, but a Christian in a cushion, who cares? Who cares? And so he will whisper lies to you. You're not good enough. You don't know enough. You want to share the gospel? Like, who, who are you? Look at all your sin. Oh, they're asking you to volunteer. I mean, look at all the stuff. You, I mean, you didn't get this done. You got to get this done. You got to get this done. He will whisper lies and he sets a trap before you. Before you know it, you will begin to say the same things they are saying. I'm not good enough and what I have won't make a difference. And what Jesus is trying to show us as he's training followers, who you are and what you have, maybe in your hands are not good enough, but in his hands can change the world, can change everything, can meet needs that your mind can't even comprehend. In his hands, a four-piece combo from Chick-fil-A, right, can feed thousands and thousands and thousands of people to the point where they're satisfied and there's leftovers. So what does this moment do? It reminds us that our limitations, our inadequacies become opportunities for God to work miracles through us if we repent and surrender to him and say, Jesus, I will move all, everything aside, my own, my own desires, my, I'm exhausted, I'll move that aside, my schedule. I will say yes to you. Here's what I can offer. It's not much, but Jesus, I'm yours. Your will, not my will be done. When you do that, family, listen, Things will change. Jesus will work in you like you have never would have imagined. And we will see people left and right coming to Jesus all because you said yes. But if you keep making church, if you keep making Jesus and, this, and the mission about you, you will see nothing done in your lifetime. You will die and get to heaven, leaving zero legacy of mission behind. Because you wanted to bicker and argue about things that have no eternal value. Jesus is training us and his followers. Our role is to simply say yes, to faithfully serve him and just trust him with the results. The disciples, man, they just passed food out and kept going and it multiplied and it multiplied. 12 baskets of leftovers remained, right? It could be the 12, like that can symbolize the 12 tribes of Judah. Pastor David had a good observation. I mean, I think that's the 12 disciples right there. Like here's a full load, a full basket for you just in case you didn't get the memo through me. I can do anything. You can do anything. That I am enough. This teaches us that our service is to just do the work of ministry. We're not responsible for the outcomes. That's in God's hands. Our task is to faithfully engage with the mission of God. Not for our glory, but for his glory. Not to benefit us, but for the good of others. Right now, family, listen to me, college students specifically. I mean, this isn't new. We've been going through a series on Thursday nights called Fans and Followers. So like they've been hearing this for a couple of weeks now. There are people outside of these church walls that need you. There are people in your workplace, in your neighborhood, on your campus, on your team that need you. Guess what? They are exhausted just like you're exhausted. 
They are hurting just like you're hurting. They're stressed just like you're stressed. But the difference between you and the people that need you is that you have hope in Jesus Christ and they need someone to tell them through Jesus, everything is going to be okay. There is someone who loves you and sees you, who died for you, and you desperately need him. Church family, they need us to be about the mission and the mission alone. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.